so, so now we're uh, very fortunate to be joined by New York's uh, second highest uh, public official, public advocate, uh, Jamani Williams. We're looking forward to talking about him about a number of uh, things today. Uh, uh, public advocate uh, Jamani Williams, are you there with us? I'm here. Peace and blessings, Don. How are you? Great. Thank you so much uh, for for joining us uh, this evening. Uh, for, uh, first of all, uh, uh, your reaction um, uh, to Mayor Adams and, and his move to um, uh, review the the fines and the citations that small businesses uh, receive here in New York. I think it's a very good move. Uh, it's something that should have been done a, a while ago, uh, but even more so right now, based on the hits that everybody's been taking, including our uh, small businesses which is the backbone of many of our communities, backbone of uh, uh, getting back uh, to the economy the way we, we wanted to get. Having had a small business myself, I'm aware of uh, you know many of the things that the city does. And what we want to do is make sure that we're correcting behavior. Uh, but what we don't want to do is make sure that uh, our bank account is based on um, fines that don't need to be as high or things that need to be fined where we can just get these businesses to cure whatever the problem is, you know, particularly if it's not causing immediate danger to people who are uh, trying to eat there. Right. Now, of course, the uh, the big story in New York the last few weeks uh, has been the arrival and then the surge of the Omicron uh, variant of, uh, of COVID-19. Uh, and we're now seeing test positivity rates in New York City over 20 and even 30 uh, percent every day. Uh, your thoughts on where we are in this in this crisis, and in particular the reopening of public schools that began yesterday as students came back from the holiday break. You know, once again, we got caught flat-footed, and it's inexplicable. It's been uh, two years since we've been going through this. Not only that, we always get um, a, we always get advance notice about these um, these variants and how they're hitting other cities across the world, and we still seem to get caught flat-footed. Um, at a time when we should have been increasing testing in the city, we were actually decreasing it, and we were actually doing a little better in the city than we were across the state, where I was recently, you know, a few months ago in Rochester and couldn't find a test, end up had to pay for it, uh, and if we didn't have the money, we wouldn't have been able to get tested. And so on the city and state level, particularly in the state, uh, it was very egregious what was going on. I'm glad now that, you know, in the state we caught up to where we were in the city in terms of, um, you know, mandating um, masks and vaccines. Um, but in the city, it also just wasn't enough because we started pulling back at the time, the exact time as we were going into the, uh, the surge and holiday season that we should have been pushing forward. When it comes to the schools, we were close to winter recess anyway, and we should have at that moment in time, just a few days extra uh, go remote, I believe, and probably come out uh, remote as we made sure folks uh, were safe to come back in. We didn't do that. What might be worse is we compounded it by not mandating testing for everybody to come back. Uh, and so we should immediately require testing for folks to come back into the school buildings. Um, we have been pushing for these things for some time. We want to make sure we, we're balancing out the safety risks with what's the best way to educate folks. Look, you know, we're going to be with COVID for a long time, so we have to figure out how to do that. Clearly, we can't shut down every time that happens. But what we should be doing is getting some kind of um, threat level that people can understand and, and start doing some things 
so that we don't have to do more restrictive things moving forward. And I'll end with what we also should have done is government, where possible, should have gone remote. And that does two things. It helps relieve pressure from the system uh, in the city, but it also sends a message to folks that they too have to change behavior. If government doesn't change behavior, uh, the regular New Yorker might not. Right. And with the, the public schools, uh, I mean, as I recall, when they were uh, re, you know, reopening um, last year, uh, you know, uh, Mayor de Blasio was ready to initiate uh, closings when I think the test positivity rate went above 3%. Um, and, and now we're seeing test positivity rates, you know, well above 20%. Um, I guess, have we as a society just kind of gotten tired of uh, uh, fighting and organizing ourselves against uh, COVID or, um, yeah, what are, you, what are your thoughts sort of about the, the changing standards uh, we've applied for how to deal with this situation? One of the biggest failures in terms of the schools is that the last administration never even attempted to put a remote infrastructure in place, in part or in full. Uh, and that's just unacceptable because we know that at some point we, we may have to do this. So my hope is that this administration will at least make sure that infrastructure um, is in place for uh, if and when it, it, it will be needed. Um, it is hard to just base everything we do on the positivity rate. We definitely should look at it. It is horrifically going in the wrong direction. I'm thankful uh, that the hospitalizations and deaths are nowhere close to what they were before. But we are seeing those things increase as well. And we have to look at all those numbers together. And all the numbers together suggest um, that we are in a bit of a problem right now, even if it's not as bad as it was. Uh, and what we need to do is the things that I'm saying to try to slow that down. Because whatever we do now, like opening the schools the way we did without the even having the mandatory testing, we won't see the impact in that for a few days. And by then, it may be a little late. And so we always want to try to get ahead of these things. So vaccinations, mandating testing, masking up are, are all extremely important. And again, sending a message for government where if you, you can go remote, you should. And probably on the state would have made some sense, uh, especially the state hospitalization rate is even going up higher right now than in the city. So we do have some reason to concern. We do want to make sure we also understand that COVID is going to be here for a little while, it looks like. And it's going to be here probably even after this spike, we'll have another variant. So we have to learn the balance. I'm not sure that we've learned it yet. And so that does have some concern. Mm. And uh, you're running for governor um, in the Democratic primary against uh, incumbent uh, Kathy, uh, Kathy Hochul. I mean, if 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 you were in the governor's chair and you could communicate directly with President Biden, what would you tell him? I I, I believe that unfortunately the president got a little caught a little flat-footed as well. Uh, definitely should have made sure that cities and municipalities had an abundance of testing, uh, especially rapid at-home tests. Making sure that uh, people who administer the PCR tests would get them back uh, much quicker, and that takes investment. And we have to have those things at the ready before the search happens. It seems that we're always trying to scramble as it is happening, even though the other places where it happens, the other cities go through the same thing. It just seems that we keep thinking that somehow we're different. Um, and we find out that we're not before it's too late. Uh, but on the state level, I also think the governor should have done some things different. 
like taking what we did have and making testing more available, making some of the, the requirements around va- vaccines and masking uh, happen much sooner than they did. Uh, and again, uh, making sure that government workers were possible, at least for a small time period, had gone remote. And I would have really thought about the schools, particularly as we were getting close to winter recess. Right. And also the governor, at least this fall, uh, was um, really advocating for uh, workers coming back to work in the, you know, the midtown offices. It seemed like she was, um, uh, I guess, echoing the concerns of the of the uh, real estate uh, interests that that own that valuable real estate in in midtown. Um, Your thoughts on that? I mean, if 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 you were governor, how would you handle the situation where the future of office work in in New York City is uh, really unclear. I was pretty shocked when we first heard that and we responded immediately saying that she was wrong. This is the wrong way to go, uh, even COVID aside. Uh, So right now with COVID surging, we we have to be careful of how quickly we're telling folks to come back. That's one. But two, we're at a position now where I do not think people are going to want to go back to the way work happened pre-COVID, five days a week, eight hours a day. But we also have to understand that there, there really is a system that is at play here. So we don't want abandoned office buildings. But as governor, what we should be doing is leading the way in what a hybrid model looks like. We want to make sure people are coming back to those business centers. We want to make sure people are coming back to those office buildings because there is there are people who depend on people being present there. But we also know people have looked behind the veil now and understand that there is a life that doesn't mean they're spending eight hours a day or more, five days a week in office buildings. So what the governor should be doing, what we all should be doing is presenting a hybrid model that works. It seems that we're trying to force workers to come back to pay and conditions that they never were happy about to begin with without addressing that pay or those conditions And that's happening for workers all over. Uh, And some of the most egregious we see uh, is in our uh, health workers and our nurses who've been complaining about staffing uh, for so long, who've been complaining about low pay for so long, and it hasn't been addressed. And so as governor, that's not what I'm going to do. I'm going to address the concern that workers have been having for a very long time and lead the way in a hybrid model that both respects where people are now in their lives and respects the need to have our business centers uh, remain vibrant. Right. And you're, uh, right now you're listening to WBAI 99.5 FM. We're talking with New York City public advocate Jamani Williams, also running for governor uh, in the Democratic primary later this year. And uh, our phone number is 212-209-2877. If you have a, a question for Jamani Williams, uh, give us a call. Uh, again, that number is 212-209-2877. He's also running for governor of the state of New York against incumbent Kathy Hochul. And, and, it's, and speaking of, of uh, the, the workforce, um, with, with the surge of Omicron, I mean, a, a number of restaurants and theaters and other venues where, you know, where people gather in public are, are once again either closing or facing a a huge drop off in business and there's no sign that we're going to see uh, another um, round of uh, federal support uh, like we did earlier in the, in the pandemic. Uh, your thoughts on, on 
what the the governor and the state legislature should be doing to help these small uh, uh, small businesses and and the workforce um, that relies on these jobs. Again, here the governor just you know took too long to act. I was glad when I finally saw uh, a plan put forth, but we had lost precious time. And what we found from this virus is that we don't have time to give. And so I, it's it's been hard to watch. Uh, companies like Apple and others um, actually, uh, you know, be a better example than government. What should immediately happen was that government, again, was saying what we need to do is uh, release pressure from the system where possible, go remote where possible, so that we can encourage other people um, uh, to, to, to change behavior, even if it's we're just, I'm just not going to go to this place where people congregate where I usually go. And we may have been able to slow the spread at that moment in time. We have to make sure uh, that we're getting tests into people's hands for low and no cost. Uh, and we should have not waited so long to get some of the mandates in place around vaccines, and especially around masks, which is one of the best things we can do uh, to, um, um, to um, prevent the disease from spread. It's just it's tough to see folks not learn the lessons that we've already learned, um, and I'm I, you know I'm not sure what the reason is why we continue to wait. This this wait and see, roll the dice, just never really plays out very well for us, and we're seeing that happen again. I mean, do you think it's a a product essentially of a sort of a a neoliberal austerity mindset that uh, it maybe really just doesn't uh, value the lives of working people that much and and would rather uh, pinch pennies uh, in, instead of, uh, you know, really investing uh, deeply in, in, in public health. And, uh, you know, it, it, rich people can uh, get away to their second homes. That's great. And everybody else just has to, uh, you know, wing it and hope for the best. I mean, that seems to be what our, our leaders in both parties, um, where they seem to have landed. There are definitely a lot of, things in play here. Um, I, I think I think the policies play out the way you're saying. I don't believe that people are saying we just don't care about human life, but the policies that put forth continue to show that we're, we're more concerned about the economy, we're more concerned about um, the big corporate businesses that are um, you know, pushing to have folks come back. But I'll say even now, we're seeing some of the businesses saying we're going to um, stay remote for a little while. Again, you know, being even further ahead than the governor or, or government. I think there's a lot of political decisions that are being made when we should be making decisions on what's best for the people of the state of New York. One of the reasons that I'm running is that I think folks have finally understood that um, we can't go back to normal as much as the governor and other folks want to say we want to go back to normal because normal didn't work for a lot of New Yorkers for the, many of the reasons that you said. And so we represent not going back to normal. We represent a new normal that understands that we have to have a hybrid model, that understands that people have to have access to um, quality health care uh, and, and, and uh, mental health services and education and all the things that make our, our lives better. And even understand that even as we go remote where we can, you know, it sometimes, as you mentioned, leaves in an equitable situation where there are some people who can go remote. There are some people who can go away to their 
home outside, maybe in Florida or something, and it leaves working folks, black and brown people, uh, left here. And so we have to honor them in a way that we just haven't for a very long time because they're the ones, when, when it hits the fan, keeps the city going. Right. And, and, and also, do you have a, a plan around uh, child care? I mean, one of the big issues that's really been revealed by this crisis, I mean, is um, uh, how much uh, uh, we need a, a, be- a, a better child care system. And then also um, we have some callers on hold that we'll also uh, go to in a minute. Child care is a tremendous issue. And it's one of the big failings of this country. That to be this to say what this country is, and we simply can't provide childcare. You know the the system that we have is so extractive. It's just it's a painful system, trying to force people to work in conditions that aren't healthy for low pay, and it doesn't even matter whether they can have the childcare or not. And when we talked about you know possibly going to remote schools, we put a whole plan in place. By the way so that people who had no choice could get uh, to drop their child off in a safe location so they can go to work. That included essential workers and people who just uh, had no choice at all. And that's one of the things we have to think of as well as uh, we're reopening schools, because there are some people, if their child tests positive today, if they're working two and three jobs and they can't get time off, and if they don't work, they don't get paid, what are you going to tell them to do with their child? they literally won't be able to pay rent or put food on the table. And so there's so many intersecting uh, places here, whether it's time off to take care of a child or being able to access uh, affordable childcare uh, that we've been failing for a long time. But the people who haven't been failing are the folks who literally have gotten richer um, during this pandemic. And those folks, I want to have a conversation about civic responsibility, not necessarily screaming and yelling at them, but their civic responsibility um, to do their fair share to make sure that the infrastructures that have been not invested in for a very long time finally are. Okay. So we, uh, we have uh, some callers uh, on hold. And uh, um, Reggie, if we're ready here, uh, I think we'll try to uh, go to our first caller um, who has a question for public advocate Jamani Williams. Hello. On the air. Hello, this is Sister Sayuda. I don't have a question. I have a comment um, for uh, Jamani Williams. I have been on the street doing voter registration, and I really have pushed um, for voting rights, and I'm an advocate for my community, which I live in Harlem. Um, I think that we are definitely, definitely been going in the wrong direction. And I think there are some things that haven't been considered uh, for small businesses. I don't think that there should be mandates and fining them $1,000 for not being vaccinated. I think vaccination should be a choice. And not everybody can be vaccinated, but to fine small businesses or any businesses $1,000 when they've been out for so long the last two years, just struggling to keep their head above water. The other thing is I think that we really need to take a look at why is it that with the two jabs and the booster, like in Israel, they're going on the fourth booster now. There's something wrong with that picture. Understand? 
So I think that we really need to listen to the final call and take a reading from the final call and do some of the things that they have suggested. Listen to Gary Knoll, who is a scientist and a nutritionist, who has been giving us very good information. I think that we really need to stop with all of those vaccines because now for the parents that's been vaccinated, the children now is on a rise. With the, because of the spikes from the vaccination. So, yes, you're going to have more children being hospitalized because they've been exposed to parents who've had these vaccinations and these spikes. So now that's going to be a, another rise. And for those who have gotten vaccinated and those spikes are happening now, and now they have to take the boosters, and now there are like six more boosters that's coming up. There's going to be an ongoing with the boosters. I think we really need to take a look at Look at how to boost your immune system naturally. Okay, let's uh, let's let uh, uh, Jamani uh, respond. Uh, uh, Jamani, your your response to someone who's uh, um, uh, doesn't believe in the vaccines and thinks that they they are responsible for the increase in COVID cases. Well, they're definitely not responsible for the increase in COVID cases. We have to at some point just have a kind of objective truths. So uh, my family came from the, from the Caribbean, Grenada. Uh, my grandma would go get some bush tea uh, and, and hook us up and be okay. And so I, I definitely support the holistic healing. Uh, I support that in addition uh, to making sure that folks are fully vaccinated. One, vaccine mandates are not new. We have had vaccine mandates in this country for longer than most folks who are listening probably can remember. Um, if you went to school, you got vaccinated. It was a mandate. And so this is just a, a newer one. The notion that it's a personal choice is always a little weird to me because you can't choose to run through a red light. That is a personal choice, but you run through a red light might harm someone else. And so remaining unvaccinated right now is, is some of the things that's driving um, the hospitalizations and deaths. And so we are clear. Um, that vaccination prevent vaccination. I'm sorry, prevent hospitalizations and death. That was a mistake in how it was uh, originally uh, put out. Like I think it was put out to make people believe they wouldn't get this virus, and that was an error. But what wasn't an error was that it was preventing serious illness and death. And so the primary people who are getting hospitalized and primary people who are dying are unvaccinated. It also can help. Um, continue get variants when there's large pockets of people who are unvaccinated. So when someone else's personal choice affects mine or my family's, then then we have to step in and make sure uh, that things are happening. But that's not at the expense of making sure your immune system is is boosted and making sure all those things are are, are done. And whatever exemptions exist for the okay, current, we we have 15 seconds. Oh, whatever exemptions that happen for the current uh, mandates should be the same. And I agree. This is not about pounding uh, uh, $1,000 to small businesses who can't afford it. This is about trying to get folks to comply. And so I don't think we should be running around willy-nilly, but the mandates are really helpful. And you do have to have something that uh, helps people uh, uh, comply.